Hello, and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Deadpool 2, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple on this podcast. We like to talk about games, but also movies, and specifically the movie that we're talking about today is Deadpool 2. Uh, it came out on Friday, uh, and... Um, it's the new it's the new it's the new hotness i guess before solo comes out next week yeah um, i i feel like i feel like the, nobody wanted to go up against infinity war over the last three weeks i i feel like the like enormous marketing blitz behind this movie has to have been because it's in between infinity war and solo yeah like i don't know if you saw but at walmart they had a bunch of classic movies with the the covers repl- the slip covers yeah, replaced I, with yeah, Deadpool yeah, covers yeah, I saw that <laughs> um, including some like also some like very blatant average like very blatant selling out that they played off as a joke right like Deadpool sold out and he eats hungry man dinners right like all like just some very very blatant product stuff which as much as I think it's a little bit gross it's a little bit better than like Star Wars bananas so or I don't solo know. solo cups <laughs> Yeah, or or or, or 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 Therm, uh, whatever Therm. What what's the the, the characters? Therm, Denny's Burgers. Um, yeah. uh, but anyway, um, most of this refuse to be spoiler. But before we get to that, um, buddy, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, my official non-spoiler kind of recommendation is that it is uh, more of the same, marginally better. So if you did like Deadpool, the first movie, uh, then you'll probably enjoy this one. If the first Deadpool was not your cup of tea, uh, as it kind of wasn't mine, uh, then you can probably feel free to skip it. Uh, interesting. Um, I would say that this movie is significantly worse than the first one. Wow! Uh, what? No way! I think it's marginally better. That's funny. I, I, I that just... is hilarious actually i i suspect i know why you, you i i think i suspect i i, I know why you feel that way but we, we can get into that in, in in a minute um i don't think it's bad i just don't think it's great um again i, I would echo you if you like deadpool one i'd go see this movie um oh i see yeah i i think i see where this is because you think deadpool one is really good yeah. Um, and so I, this one, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So I, well, we will get into this in a, in a moment once we pass the spoiler block. But um, I think that um, it kind of in a word, this isn't really spoilery. That this movie tries to split the drama and the comedy, and Ooh, ends up coming mediocre on both. It comes okay. ends up, ends yeah, up coming I'm, I'm up. I'm excited to get into this. Now. Yeah, uh, ends up coming mediocre on both. Whereas the first one just went full comedy blast, and I preferred that. Um, but that's kind of like the, the reviews in a word, I guess. Past this point, there will be spoilers for the movie. If you have not seen it and would like to go see it, um, pause the podcast now and go see it. Uh, spoilers, 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 three, two, one. All right. Um, so see, Okay, so I think the way that you just described Deadpool 2 is also true of Deadpool 1. I think Deadpool 1 takes itself too seriously and is this is my 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 overarching complaint about Deadpool one, and this also holds true for Deadpool two, is that it is uh, superficially, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it is superficially a comedy, right? It has a a comedy coat of paint, right, where they just paint a lot of jokes onto a fundamentally like action movie structure. You know what I mean? Where they play a lot of drama in that movie, essentially dead straight. 
you know? And they do the exact same thing in this movie, but it is also worse uh, in this movie, the way that they, uh, the way that they, like... Man, it was insane to me that they did not comment on how, like, melodramatic they were being about this fucking girlfriend dying. Yeah. Like, holy shit, this is a Deadpool movie, and he's sitting there with, like, self-loathing and, like, being like... It's like I was like, this is all set up for some really grand joke about how he's turning himself into Batman, right? But th it never came. Like that other shoe didn't drop, and so I can't help but feel like they just did that whole thing really earnestly and sincerely in a way that I'm just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I have to agree with you, pretty one hundred percent there. Um, also, just kind of like to, to to shoot way to the end. Um, I wonder if that post credit scene where he undoes everything is supposed to be canonical or not. Uh, cause that's like, like it could be, I could see them like using this as an excuse to bring back Peter, but if they unkill the girlfriend, it's like, what, what, what the hell? Yeah. Like, and I, I think this is them kind of like taking a piss out of the fact that like, like there is a, uh, like a tendency for like. Time tra travel mechanics just not make sense in a lot of ways in movies because they're, they're, I think, relatively hard to do. Um, and especially in a movie where it's kind of like an afterthought. Um, I think that was what, like, that, that, that scene was supposed to be. It was like, well, if we've got the power to go back in time, why not undo every problem that happened in this movie? But I wonder if that's supposed to be um, canonical or not. Yeah, I, I don't think that we are supposed to think about or take the time travel too seriously. For instance, how on earth does Dead or sorry does Cable have a family safe in the future if he doesn't t use the second charge to return to the future, right? And we have that teddy bear. I mean, like the time travel mechanics are never going to make sense if you like take them on face value. Um, uh, but I will say that I like this movie marginally better, and I really do mean, like, it is a razor-thin razor margin, because I think that the seriousness with which it carries the drama is worse, but at least this one has, like, some real true blue comedy set pieces, which I felt like the first one was kind of lacking. Huh. Interesting. That is the opposite of what I expected your take to be. Uh, mostly, it was mostly just the the whole X Force thing. That thing was great. That was where, that was, it was maybe 20 minutes of, like, really... True to form, true blue Deadpool, right? You know, like, they, they do this whole montage, getting the team together, and then the team all die one after another in, like, really gruesome way. Like, that's just really funny. It's just good comedy. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. Um, um, and you I know, wish that they dedicated more of the runtime to those kinds of comedy set pieces rather than these, like, action set pieces. Um Really, my actually, my, my, my big, big-time takeaway is that this movie wants to be 21 or 22 Jump Street, right? With, like, the meta humor and everything, but it's an action comedy, and so there are action scenes, but there are also these, like, you know, contrived sitcom-y, you know, comedy set pieces, like, mixed in there or whatever. And those two movies hit a, is a, hit a fantastic balance. This one does not. This one is too heavy. I, I have a feeling it's because they have, you know... David Leitch is an is an action director coming coming off of you know John Wick and being a stunt double on I like everything, so I have a feeling that he doesn't quite have the comedy chops uh, as two guys who ran a Cartoon Network, you know, comedy show for for uh, however long. But uh, that's the main problem with Deadpool to me. 
um, is that Deadpool wants to be meta with like the quippy jokes he's making on the fly inside of a story that is played straight as a fucking arrow. You know, like there is no, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of self-referential and meta humor in the words on the page, but not in the structure of the story, which I think is the problem. I, I, I can see that. I, I also think that like when they play it straight, like they don't, or like what, what their attempts to infuse comedy into the play it straight parts, I think aren't great. Great. Like the final scene where he's dying, I think I thought went on for an entirely too long. Um, uh, where, where, uh, where he's, he's bleeding out and he like comes back like three times or, yeah. or four times. I, I feel like that gag ran out of steam, like after the first time he came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, obviously like maybe it felt like it was just a little bit too predictable. Cause I was like, oh yeah, get on with it so that we can get back to wherever the, the reset happens or whatever. Cause yeah, you're not, I mean, not that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw that reset thing coming from a fucking mile away. Uh, but I actually kind of wish that the dying scene was just like Deadpool wasn't actually dying. Like the power collar was a fake out or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Milking the sympathy or something. I feel like there was a lot of that kind of stuff where like they, they hemmed and hawed around going like full blown true blue comedy you know, like, because that would have been a, that I like Deadpool coming back over and over again because he wants his friends. You know, it's like Bender, right? Like attending yeah. his own funeral in Futurama or something like that. I think that could have been like a funny, you know, like comedy set piece. But they had to end it with Deadpool actually dying and this like weird moment of pathos, and it's paying off like a very grim. And you know what I mean? Like a very grim story about his own like self-loathing and this like bullied kids. Like, you know what I mean? I was just like, what the fuck? Well, (laughs) I think I was, I was half expecting the caller to be a fake out too, but you can't do that because then the kid just goes back and like burns everything down. Right? Like he has to die in order for the kid turning over a new leaf to make sense. And like that, that, that kind of like, put a full stop on that and i I think they pinned themselves into a corner with that i actually think that that's the problem i think that you can trust in the kind of surreality of a of a world to bend to the comedy this is what i think makes stuff like community work or like 30 rock is another good example or even like parks and recreation where it's like you know that it's not real but they're heightening the reality for the sake of comedy and therefore it like kind of works you know what i mean and i think that if they leaned more into that kind of a world right i think that the and really trusted the kind of comedy to carry them across those kinds of like uh those kinds of like logical inconsistencies uh i think that's where that we would have gotten to it would have been okay yeah um but I, i think it would have needed to have done that for the whole movie Right, yeah. like oh yeah, yeah, I I agree with that as well. Right, if they if they did this thing, I can't believe this movie is like wow. I, I, <laughs> honestly, I was half expecting Josh Brolin to actually shoot the kid, and like that to be the resolution. Like I I, I could have seen that being an ending too. I thought it might have been a little bit dark for uh, for for uh, an, an X Man movie, but. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I could have seen it happening. I actually thought that it was going to be Deadpool that shoots the kid for for a little. Yeah, bit, that could that could have worked too. It. Yeah, because the the. That same sort of reversal happens in Deadpool 1. And I watched Deadpool 1, you know, before seeing this, like the night before or whatever, where, you know, they have this end moment with the bad guy 
and he's like, oh, I can never, like, fix your face. I was just telling that to fuck with you. And then Deadpool just shoots him. You know what I mean? Um, and I was thinking that maybe, like, Deadpool's like, I just need 30 seconds or whatever. And, like, while they're, like, you know, doing whatever, all of this hijinks, the kid brutally murders, like, the headmaster. Deadpool's like, well, I, I fucked it up. And then he, like, shoots the kid. I thought that would have been pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think if they had made the kid a little bit more... Um, what's, what's the thermonuclear, whatever her name is, like age, um, mm-hmm. made him less kid looking. They could have done that, but you, I, I, I think you just can't kill a kid that, that young looking. Um, like, I think they very clearly made this like true big chubby little boy to like counterman the fact that he's, that he's on the way to being the monster you see in the flashback, which honestly, I thought like I couldn't see myself enjoying the cable movie that was just the cable parts of this movie a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, because, like, honestly, I thought the moment where he goes, uh, where he repeats kind of like the, uh, uh, the, the, you know, like, by, by my hands be cleansed line or whatever, I thought that was pretty good. Um, and I, I like that from a serious perspective, but, like, not so much in a Deadpool movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if, if I really wanted to be meta... Um, I'd say maybe that was like a jab at like the Martha thing, which they explicitly referenced earlier, right? Because like that's yeah, yeah. that's what I think like the Martha moment is supposed to be, um, and I think they did it well in this movie. It just doesn't belong in a in a in, a, in what is effectively supposed to be like a slapstickish comedy. Um, yeah, it also kind of ignores or doesn't quite understand the dynamic that makes Cable and Deadpool work. Uh, like Cable and Deadpool is a comic that was around in the mid two thousands that I actually read a whole bunch of. Um, and the and the, the premise essentially of Cable and Deadpool is that Cable is the straight man, Deadpool is like the comedy guy, um, and Cable is always looking to do these like super serious things, and then Deadpool kind of gets like mixed up in it. And so in a way, it's almost kind of like a Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, or like you know whatever that shitty kid, Will Turner. Um, Jack Sparrow thing from, like, the Pirates movie, where, like, the engaging character isn't the protagonist of the film, so he kind of doesn't have to worry about, like, character arcs or anything. He just kind of gets to, like, bounce around like a fucking, you know, like, crazy ball, uh, ruining, you know, like, ruining yeah, all yeah. of the serious shit that, ca- that Deadpool is doing. But in this movie, it is Deadpool's movie, right? And he has this character arc about getting over his own, like, self... I can't believe I'm saying this about Deadpool. <laughs> getting over his own self-loathing and ca- inadvertently causing the death of the woman he loves. What? <laughs> and, and if they had kind of made it Cable's movie, right? Where yeah. Cable comes back and he's like, all right, I got to do this. I got to do this thing. And he's like putting together X-Force and he puts Deadpool on the team without knowing that Deadpool is Deadpool, right? You know, like, and if the movie is Cable and Deadpool doing wacky, you know, like the wacky hijinks kind of, and, and Deadpool is more like Bugs Bunny, to the Daffy, to like Cable's Daffy Duck or something. That's not not a great analogy, but you got you got to get what I'm saying, right? Uh, I think that would have worked much better. Uh, and in fact, I have to say that it's funny to me that these two movies are so well regarded, especially by like the Deadpool community. I have a feeling that people who like Deadpool, it's going to sound really elitist and cont- pretentious. All right, so everybody, just get your buddy is pretentious hats on. For a minute. Ooh. I have a feeling that people who like these movies because they like Deadpool from the comics don't quite understand how good de- the Deadpool comics um, have been. 
because they are really true blue comedies. Like there isn't a lot of this kind of, there is specifically zero of this like soap opera melodrama, uh, melodrama stuff. And I'm surprised that more people aren't railing against that. You know what I mean? Like, is it really just the coat of paint sort of thing? So I I think part of it might be, and, and I actually haven't read a lot of Deadpool. Um, I've probably read more Plastic Man than Deadpool, which is weird considering I like Marvel better. But that aside, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know, like, at the height of Deadpool's popularity, there were, like, like almost a dozen different lines with him in it, right? And I'm sure yeah. that that message got diluted in there. Like, that, that, that kind of quality got diluted. That's true. I also have not been keeping up with mainstream comics uh, as much as I used to. And by the time that Deadpool was super popular, like, like I was following Deadpool. I don't want to say before he was cool because he was kind of popular... Uh, I, I was very much a bandwagoner, um, but it was in this Cable and Deadpool run in the mid-2000s, and then he had a solo book uh, that went on after that. Um, well, he and had it, several. Like, there was, like, a multiverse Deadpool thing. And I think I, rem- I, I – like I said, I haven't read any of them, but I think I remember the criticisms of the time uh, from the Zeitgeist was, was that a lot of them weren't particularly good. They were just cashing in on kind of the uh, – the inherent popularity of Deadpool, yeah, um, as he kind yeah. of took Spider-Man's place almost in terms uh, of, uh, as this like the, uh, the 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 quippy superhero. Deadpool was really made Deadpool by a writer named Joe Kelly, um, who I like a lot. He uh, the, the, Joe Kelly is actually responsible for my favorite Justice League book of all time, which is the reason that I got picked up to Deadpool because a friend of mine uh, basically said, you know. Oh, have you read Deadpool? It's really funny or whatever. And then I said that that was lame, but then I saw that it was written by this guy, Joe Kelly, and I was like, oh, I really like Joe Kelly. So I picked it up and I was like, holy shit, this is actually like really fucking funny. <coughs> um, and, uh, and so that's the run that I know. But, then the, but that run, I think, is what kind of catapulted Deadpool into this popularity, you know, like this next level popularity, right? Uh, Joe Kelly is the guy that wrote uh, a lot of the Deadpool and Cable stuff uh, that, you know, that we were talking about. So it is a uh, it is it is a run that I am familiar with, but I don't know what that big giant explosion in his popularity, where like all of a sudden there was like a giant Deadpool multiverse, uh, looks like. Yeah, um, but you know, so given that that's all speculation, maybe we should we should uh, take a step back towards the movie. Um, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, uh, something I want to talk about. This is just like a quick aside, but. Um, Dopinder always makes me a little bit sad, um, uh, because Karen Stoney, the guy who plays him, I actually really liked him in, uh, Other Space, which you might know as, um, one of the four shows on Yahoo screen that wasn't Community. Um, uh, it was a Paul Feig show run show, which makes it even weirder that I liked it. Um, I'm not generally a fan of Paul Feig, uh, but, uh, but... It, it's it's funny to me that like they make this point about like about cable like hating on Dopinder's Indian music um, when Karen Sony is is an American Indian and he doesn't speak with an accent normally in, in yeah. like in in the show it's like oh, that's a little bit a uh, little bit uh, have, you, uh, have you heard about any of this stuff with the the problem with Apu do you know this yeah I'm I'm, I'm vaguely familiar yeah okay so uh so another Indian comedian whose name escapes me um uh basically made a a documentary in the vein of kind of um uh like that first Michael Moore documentary where he was trying to get an interview with the CEO of the company but the CEO kept turning him down so the whole thing turns into um 
him trying to get the interview and failing, if that makes sense. Uh, the, so the problem with Apu, uh, the comedian's name is Hari uh, Kondabolu. He is trying to get into uh, into an interview with Hank Azaria, the white guy who voices Apu on The Simpsons. Uh, but o- over the course of it, he actually talks with like a ton of you know like Indian American actors and stuff like that, uh, and it reveals this kind of like they all universally kind of like hate Apu. And this, like, stereotype, not universally, there are some people who are like, oh, I love Apu, but, um, and this, like, kind of stereotype of what South Asian actors kind of have to do in Hollywood in order to, uh, in order to, like, get jobs, in order to, like, su- to, to yeah. su- succeed. There was an episode um, of uh, Masters of None about this, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, yeah, there was an episode about Masters of None that was explicitly about this as well with, uh, with Aziz Ansari. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I couldn't help but see that in Dopinder, um, yeah. which I, you know, which I felt bad about in a small way, um, uh, because, you know, I don't think, I don't think it's, it's mean spirited, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it is like a limiting, it is like a limiting thing that sucks. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's a weird thing without, without getting into that controversy too much, right? Like there's some, like. Obviously, whenever you talk about this kind of thing, all sorts of people come out of the woodwork. And I, I have read several articles by um, basically pe- people who, like, uh, one in particular I remember was, like, a guy whose father um, owned a convenience store in, like, Florida, right? Like, a convenience store and gas station in Florida. And he was like, he loved the poo because it normalized the, him as a person. And he wasn't seen as so much of an outsider. And, like, yeah, people would come in and quote a poo quotes at it, but, to get, you know, he'd love it and he'd lean into it. Um and, you know, Apu as a character is also, you know, like it's supposed to be like a an upstanding citizen or, or whatever. And so um, there, there's, a, there's a whole thing in there that I don't think we need we need to get into. But um, I did want to just point out that, like, it's kind of sad that that uh, Karen Sony can't can't get uh, on on his on his own merits, which um, largely like Aziz Ansari managed to do. Right. Like to kind of mm-hmm. put it as a counterpoint. I don't think Aziz Ansari ever played like the Indian dude. Ever they uh, lampshaded the fuck out of that in Parks and Rec, uh, right? A couple yeah. of times at least where people would be like, you know, like where are you from? And he'd be like South Carolina, <laughs> and they'll be like, no, but where are you really from? Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> right. But like, it's it's not like ever in Aziz Ansari's past did he have to play like the accented, you know, stereotypical Indian person? Yeah, I is... wonder because I think as Aziz is when, or I'm sorry, uh, Parks and Rec is when Aziz really went on. Uh, and became like famous, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, am interested. I would be interested to see if there were uh, any other, uh, any other roles of his that that like didn't quite match that. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. Maybe maybe enough on that aside. Well, I actually do kind of want to almost okay. bring up this like woke nature thing, also for the girlfriend. Uh, because this is one of the things that bothered me a lot about Deadpool 1, is I really didn't like the 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 kind of... Um... See, like, Deadpool 1 is a an, another, like, very straight kind of revenge superhero story, um, which, like, man, with, with, that was told out of order, right, which kind of made it interesting from a structural perspective, and I think kind of, like glossed over it for people because it wasn't told chronologically right like you were jumping around in time a little bit um but the um but the the girlfriend character played by morena Bakarin always kind of bothered me because it felt so 
pandering to me for like what a you know 20 something i talk about like reddit humor like what a 20 something like reddit using like sophomore in college thinks the ideal perfect girlfriend is and like feeding that girlfriend to the proposed audience of the movie did you feel that or is that just me um i didn't uh but again i i I haven't seen the movie since since it came out so um maybe maybe i'm but i I don't remember feeling that at the time um there's like a level like basically for me like there's a level of like movie romance is what it is and just kind of i don't care about it so much especially Mm -hmm. in a superhero film um because it's it's like I, I don't expect a movie to, to represent, like, a relationship realistically unless that's supposed to be the subject matter of the movie, and even then, it's usually not right. great. Um, so I, I'm okay to let that stuff go on, on a patch just because of... Yeah, I mean, to be fair, and I don't want to take credit for this, I didn't really notice this, but I went to see Deadpool with Rachel, and she mentioned it when, when we came out of the movie. Like, the, she really hated Deadpool because of that thing specifically, right? Is it just felt like, you know, she was a... Uh, she was a kind of like, I don't know, like an object of the male fantasy is probably what a feminist would call that sort of thing. Uh, but as soon as she said it, it clicked in my head and I was like, God, fuck, she's so right. You know what I mean? Like, um, and, uh, and so I felt that a little bit here, um, but I also think that it kind of undermined this serious structure even further because I am already like predisposed to dislike the relationship between you know Deadpool and um, and Vanessa, and so it being like the big unironic dramatic centerpiece of the movie really made me just be like, "Fucking come on!" Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, I get that, but I, I think you just at that point, how do you how do you do like a morality lesson that's like you don't have to be beautiful to be loved without like kind of hitting hitting that 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 point. Yeah, I'm actually surprised because that doesn't really come up in the comics that I read. Like, a lot of it had much more to do with Bob, uh, the henchman, or, like, Weasel. Like, Deadpool's kind of, like, supporting cast. And uh, uh, then it had, like, there really wasn't any, like, like, there was no Vanessa, essentially. Yeah, um, um, because when, when he... And when, there were, actually, that's not true. There were there were a couple of characters who, like, were love interests, but it was always kind of, like, you know... Is un- it one of his unre- love interests' death? Uh, unreciprocated... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't remember uh, to be honest with you, but there were. It, it, it was always like this unreciprocated thing, right? Like, yeah. he's trying. He's trying to. He's trying to do like the Pepe Le Pew thing of you know winning over some some girl who is dramatically disinterested uh, in him, and that's funny, sort of thing. Yeah, they also. They didn't take his mask off in the comics for a while, didn't they? Or, or am I mis- or am I misinformed? No, I'm pretty sure in the in the comics his mask uh, his mask came off pretty quickly because he was started as a full blown, completely serious character. By I mean, the guy who created Cable is also the guy who created Deadpool. Uh, his name is Rob Liefeld. In fact, he's the guy. Oh, they, they made like, a joke. The feet thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yep. can't drop feet. Yeah. I mean, Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld is actually a pretty great guy. Like, if you talk to him, if or if you read what he. Uh, what he talks about or whatever. Um, he's like a little bit of a prima donna, but a lot of comics artists are or whatever, but he is like dramatically untalented. Like he's famously awful at drawing comic books. Um, and, uh, um, and so Deadpool was changed into this kind of comedy character over time. He was, he was not started that way. 
Oh, I, I thought he was supposed to be, like, a parody of, of, of Deathstroke. Um, uh, no, I think it was just a ripoff of Deathstroke. Okay. Uh, I mean, but Wade Wilson and Slade Wilson, did they, did they just, like, give him a real name much later than they... Because, like, that, that feels a little bit too on the nose to be unintentional. You know, I don't actually, I don't actually remember. I do remember that he was, he like, he's wisecracky, right? But, you know, you don't say that Spider-Man is a, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, I see Spider-Man what you're saying. Spider-Man is yeah, not yeah. a comedy character, right? Just be, but he, even though he, like, is wisecracking or whatever. Um, and in a, in a lot of ways, that's almost kind of the, the summation of this movie, right? Is that I feel like it wants to be a true blue, full-blown comedy, um, but, like, is too married to its own, like, straightforward, yeah, ironic storytelling to get there. Yeah, it, it's trying to, I think, play to the Marvel mean, um, which is which is not great. Um, you know, we, yeah, we, we, it really finds this, like, uncanny valley uh, between, you know, like, uh, like what, what Marvel is trying to do. Um, and and does well do. when it does it well. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, exactly, right? Like, because in a lot of ways, I think you could cl- classify most Marvel movies as like action comedies, right? But I never am, I never call into question kind of like the. Wow, that's actually not not a true statement. I fucking do this constantly. I was about to say I never call into question the dramatic chops of the Marvel movies, but I actually do that yeah, all the yeah. time because they fuck it up all the time. Uh, but in a movie like Deadpool, you know what I mean? Like, I actually think a movie like Deadpool is a place where that sort of, like, bathos humor, right, where they, like, undercut the drum, the drama of a scene with, with a joke um, is actually super appropriate. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, um, a couple other things I, w- I wanted to mention was I thought the action in this movie was was pretty decent, uh, I uh, which, I, which I enjoyed. I also, like, um, it felt really present early on, but I enjoyed the fact they kind of wore the R label and were willing to be, like, violent in a way that the Marvel movies aren't because they want to hit that PG-13. Um, and so I like that. Uh, kind of in line with that, I like that... Like, I don't remember... You saw it more recently, maybe you can correct me, but I don't remember Deadpool turning to the camera as explicitly as he did in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, which I really enjoyed. Um, I thought that was that was a good use of kind of the character, um, especially with some of like the the lazy writing jokes. In fact, I I wish that they had lampshaded like they used the lazy writing joke twice, which I think is actually really funny because that lazy writing joke then becomes lazy writing, and I think they were like one usage and or a lampshade away from that really landing hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I thought that was good. I really there enjoyed it. There were a couple it. of, like, whiffed joke opportunities that I didn't see. Like, obviously, the first one, which is, like, they are giving Deadpool this, like, super angsty, emotional backstory or whatever. Uh, and then they never comment on, like, the comedy of it. And then there was another one where they are literally talking about, would you go back in time to stop Hitler from burning down an orphanage, right? Like, that's the context of the movie. And they, like... I even think that they say burning down an orphanage and never think to turn that into the obvious joke that it is. You know what I mean? Because that's like, you know, like that's like a that's like a party game thought experiment or whatever. Like, would you go back in time and kill someone, you know, who burns down an orphanage like baby Hitler, like that, that kind of thing. Like they never go far. They never went far enough with that, with the time traveling stuff. When I was like, "How do you not make meta jokes about this like yeah. super common joke joke framing?" Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, I I think maybe they just didn't have enough time to explore some of the things. Like, yeah, 
there were a couple things that I think, like, I, I can't remember them specifically, um, uh, because they weren't that picky. These are like kind of nitpicky things that they could have explained with like a line. I remember it happening a couple times, but obviously I, I, I can't remember them now. Um, of like, you know, if you gave things a little bit more room to breathe, uh, mm. it, it would, it would have been neat. I'm, I am kind of sad that they killed Terry Crews as fast as they did. Although my hope is that the fact they didn't explicitly show him like dismembered means that maybe he can come back. Cause I expected that to be a bigger thing. Like just because I thought, I mean, I think that, that those 20 minutes were the best part. I mean, I've said this, I, those yeah. 20 minutes were like the best bit of the movie. And I wish it was more like that. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. I was just speaking more specifically to to the Terry Crews character because I, because um, Terry Crews Terry Crews is kind of like a living meme on in his own right, um, and so like um, I mean like the I don't know if you caught it but but the Vanisher was Brad Pitt. I know um, I did catch that. I actually know why that's the case. It's because uh, the director was Brad Pitt's stunt double for a long time. Like he was a stunt double. Oh in, really? Uh, yeah. In. Um, uh, Fight Club, and I want to say like Ocean's Eleven or something like that. So they know each other is the point, right? Uh, right. And uh, so, yeah, fun yeah. fact trivia. Yeah, I, I really liked a lot of like the little small moments, like the the kind of like couldn't they put like you know the guy with the pigeon wings in, it and then they, the camera turns and it's like the first class. Yeah, class that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, I actually, I also can I just I also think that they missed a joke. I don't want to like tell them that. This is less a missed joke opportunity and just something that I wa I saw and annoyed me and I wish that it was lampshaded in some way. They switch cities between New York, which is what I think that the overhead shots are supposed to be, uh, even though the geography makes zero sense for that. Uh, Los Angeles, which is where a lot of like that downtown truck, like I was I was I was looking at uh i was looking at buildings i was like holy shit this is la you know what i mean right like, right, right. I, there was a parking garage i was like i've parked in that parking garage <laughs> and chicago which is where a couple of the the helicopter shots of the of the truck were going and i really wish like that's a great joke opportunity i feel like for deadpool to be like wait why are we back in chicago no, this doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense you know, I also think that another big thing that they they are missing out on one of the best parts about the Deadpool comic, and one of the reasons that Deadpool can carry his own comic is because his thought he interacts with his own thought bubbles in a way that's like funny, um, because kind of like his thought bubbles are like almost like his own straight man, and I wish that they had that interaction with the narration. You know what I mean? Like I like the idea that Deadpool is narrating the movie, but like Deadpool, the character who is being narrated about, hears his own narration and disagrees with it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of comedy in that kind of stuff that is literally like pulled straight from the comics, essentially. Um, that I feel like they're kind of they're kind of missing out on. Uh, and the, and the real thing I think is that like in a lot of ways they th probably this is probably due to the director more than the the team as a whole. But that, like, comedy is the words that is said during a straightforward action sequence rather than the action sequence itself being kind of, like, without any words funny. Um, so, like, an example of this is, like, in 21 Jump Street, they do a whole chase where, you know, the, the bad guys are in, like, a Humvee shooting, shooting stuff and the good guys are in a golf cart shaped like a football helmet and like they're trashing the whole college campus as they are, as they're talking about how the they don't have the budget to to pay for any of these uh, to pay for any of this destruction. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a lot of stuff going on there, so it is kind of simultaneously an action scene, but also like 
a comedy scene or like Edgar Wright also does this like in Hot Fuzz right it is an action scene that final shootout right but it's also a comedy scene because you know like he's shooting it out with like like old people or whatever in like rural England and they're and they're using these action movie one-liners and stuff like that like I think that there needs to be like a better kind of marriage of the two instead of this like coat of paint thing that I can't get out of my head um do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I see what you mean. Because um, even the part that I liked, it was only comedy, no action. You know what I mean? There was no... It's not like it's not like they they had a thing where they were all coming down on the... You know, like they were all coming down on the, um, uh, on the truck and in the middle of the action, everyone keeps dying these gruesome deaths because like Cable is a huge badass or kind of like whatever else. You know what I mean? Um, it was, okay, here's the comedy section, everybody die. you know, like, he falls into a wood chipper, and then Peter gets acid barfed on, and then, you know, like, and then we move to the truck chase, which is just a true blue, straightforward action scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, kind of, maybe in that same vein, um, I think that kind of just, like, trying to rest on, on Deadpool so heavily for the cop, like Deadpool, the character so heavily himself. Like, like I like Domino's character, but I thought that like, she was kind of wasted a little bit. Like, I don't think she was, she was used as much as, as, as well as she could have been. Um, I think, I think her scene at the end where like, she like accidentally kills like three, three of the attendants, I think worked well, but I think that's like an exception. Um, like, like her use during the action scene just seemed kind of played a little bit too straight and kind of this, the same way that you're talking about, right? Like, it's kind of like, well, this is a lazy excuse to kind of, like, let the character get up from the wheel and walk away. Um, rather than, like, a, a, a real moment of, of comedy, which, which which maybe it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it really all comes back to this kind of, like, split between... This kind of, like, bad split between the, the drama and the action. Because, like, I think there's, like, an opportunity for, like, her to be, like you know, fortune take the wheel and then to short throw crash into a bunch of cars, but like to like lampshade a little bit more and like show like, you know, like, you know, like, uh, maybe, maybe people dying is a little bit too, too dark for, for what this movie wants to be. But like, you know, be like, they're okay. So it's all fine. Even though like, you know, there's like a, you know, you could, you could do like a, a shot of like the destruction be like, well, that turned out all right. Yeah. Show- yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm really lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and they didn't, right? Like they, they yeah. you know, that butts up against the big, uh, juggernaut reveal. Um, which again, I, I thought the, like the foreshadowing thing in the beginning. Oh yeah. And they didn't have him say, I'm the juggernaut bitch. Yeah. Which is not only a meta joke for the sake of that meme from like 2005. Right. But they literally said it in X-Men three. three. Like, how are you not? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. I actually really like the juggernaut. Like I said, I think the action was very good in this movie. I really liked yeah. like the kind of. Nah, I mean, I, I, I think I have a greater tolerance for kind of, like, CGI brawls than other people. And I do want to be clear, some of the CGI in this movie was god-awful, especially in the truck chase. Um, but, like, I yeah, I like that, like, knockdown, drag-out fight with fucking uh, Colossus and the Juggernaut. That was pretty, uh, that was just, like, well-shot good action i enjoyed it it was nice yeah notice that those are two characters that aren't like explicitly a part of the series 
right? Like, like Colossus, is, they're both leftovers from the last, from, from like, you know, the original X-Men series. Yeah. Which is like, it's, 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 it's I guess hilarious is the right way to put it. Um, uh, what else did I want to say in kind of that vein? Oh, um, just kind of get back to your point about like Deadpool fans and this movie. Um, just to kind of like rail for a little bit on um, me, me this will be like uh, mango is kind of like ivory tower point but like Ooh, um, me up. let's do it so the chimichangas thing is a thing that like follows deadpool around and it's as far as i could tell that was just like a moment in a comic that was funny on its own right this is this is the type of thing that happens when you when like you quote monty python for like 10 years straight yeah, right yeah, like yeah. Like, the humor is that you don't expect it, and it's random. And, like, maybe a callback or two makes sense. But it doesn't stand on its own as a joke, and it's just kind of like a meme that just, like, gets pounded to death. And is, like, you know, it hasn't it hasn't entered this, like, kind of, like, weird post-irony phase where it kind of, like, wraps around back to being funny. Um, but, like, it gets included in every piece of Deadpool media for no reason at all, including this one. And it always just kind of, like, makes me groan a little bit. It, um, is it is extremely lazy. And it's actually, the, the original Chimichango joke is really funny in the comics because it comes back. Like, he goes on entire missions just about Chimichangas. You know what I mean? Like, but, like, it's just so, it's very throwaway in this movie. Like, they just, ha it's like they, like, it's like they control F'd a joke somewhere and they changed it to be a Chimichanga joke. It has nothing to do with what's going right, on in this And they, they also, like, they put it right next to the moment where it was supposed to go, which is like, he says it because someone drives like a spike through his head. Right. And then right after he says chimichangas, they drive a spike through his head. And like, it's like, wh why, why put it so close? Right. Like what, why not? Like, and they do the kind of like his whole brain is fucked up thing when, when, when Colossus is holding him and he pulls the spike out. But like that, it, it, like that moment wasn't great either. It just felt weird. Like, I don't know because, because Deadpool is so Deadpool. Like he's kind of like, I guess the best way to put it is like his 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 sexuality is never kind of nailed down, or at least those jokes are kind of not off limits for him. Um, but then they kind of like play off this kind of like you know like romantic glosses holding me in your arms thing as purely like a result of the spike being in his head, and it felt like weirdly off for like what the rest of the movie like wanted to be. I, I guess like wokeness wise to put it uh, in, in 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 that perspective, it, it just I don't know. It if 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 it felt weird and off to me. Yeah. Uh, yep, I totally feel that. I think that is a poor. I it actually it actually I, I have a feeling that by the time the Teen Titans Go movie comes around, which is in two months, I think, it will be a better Deadpool movie than the Deadpool movies because like everything in those movies seems to really lean into like the meta or I'm sorry everything in that show leans into like the meta humor about it and the movie is about how there are superhero movies constantly being made and the Teen Titans haven't gotten one yet and so they're trying to get one made about themselves right so like it has that it has that thing that I'm talking about right where it is it, it is not just from the top down you know, a, a it is. It's not like it's an animated action movie or like an animated movie like Finding Dory or something. It is structurally from its very foundation like a uh, uh, a comedy uh, that is you know self-referential and kind of postmodern and all this other kind of stuff about the genre that it's in. And so, yeah, 
That's that's my that's my dream. That's my dream because I've been singing the praises of Teen Titans Go for so long. No, it's it's. Weird. I mean, Teen Titans Go even has its own version of the chimichangas with the waffles, with like the waffles, waffles, waffles mm. song. Like you know, uh, that's I, a take I didn't really think about until now. That Teen Titans Go is the best representation of Deadpool outside of the Deadpool comics. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I buy that. And, like, from, like, a pure comedy perspective, I think Ant-Man's a better a better pure comedy than... You know what? Dude, that's actually... So, I mean, it's it's telling that Ant-Man was written by Edgar Wright, but, like, that final fight in, the in like, the little girl's, tr- like, playroom or whatever with, like, the trains and stuff like that, yeah. that's the kind of action-comedy blend where the action scenes and the comedy scenes are together, Right, that I agree with. And I don't even really like Ant Man. Like, let's be let's be clear. I find Ant Man to be very like forgettable and everything. But I still think that it's a better action movie, a better comedy movie than both Deadpool movies have been, which is kind of you know crazy when you put it out like that. Uh, it's not if you're like me and recognize Ant Man as the best Marvel movie of all time. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> fair enough. I have to say that I saw the Ant Man and the Wasp trailer for the first time. Because uh, I hadn't actually seen the trailer yet, and so I saw it in front of the Deadpool movie, and I was a little like, "What is this?" But you know, whatever. We'll talk about that when yeah. the Wasp comes out. I, I, I've gone over why I'm mad at Infinity War for ruining uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, I mean that is also a huge that is also a huge thing that I think is uh, uh. problematic, I suppose, for the for for Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out. I I, I feel like uh, I don't know. I I have faith in my boy Paul Rudd to 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 see it through. I mean, yeah, Paul Rudd is uh, is uh, is pretty good. I feel like um, if there's anything that works like gangbusters, it is probably Paul Rudd. Also, Michael Pena. Even though uh, I follow quite a number of Latino clerics who really or clerics critics. Uh, <laughs> I was be like, why are you following? What is the problem with the Latino clergy? Have with <laughs> Latino <laughs> critics who all pretty universally hated uh, Michael Pena's character for being, a, you know, kind of like a shitty stereotype. Um, <laughs> I just want, I just want to put it out there that I agree with that criticism, but he's also really funny, you guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, what even happened in the middle of this movie? Uh, I don't, I don't even, I don't even, I see like there was, and there was also like the prison scene. I actually think that another piece of this movie that I didn't quite enjoy, um, and Deadpool 1 also has this problem, which is that it kind of cuts between locations and there isn't a real sense of geography, um, which typically is easy for superhero movies to do because they are rooted in singular locations, right? Like, all of Iron Man um, takes place in, you know, it is Afghanistan, and then you are in Los Angeles, and then he flies back to Afghanistan, and those places are kind of, like, distinct enough. But, like, they were going into the fucking, I guess they call it the icebox or whatever, this prison, and it is implied that that this prison is, like, a, a short drive from New York City, but they're showing me like, you know, like a James Bond Alpine fortress or something. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, what? Did we get on a boat and like dock in Naples and then take a train up to Switzerland? Like, what the fuck? And I don't know. Like, maybe that's just what that, you know, the Adirondacks are supposed to be in this movie or whatever. Yeah, but that yeah. really was like, 
where the fuck is that? Like, that's yeah. not a real location that's in driving distance from New York City. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, yeah, and you could have also avoided it by just not showing the outside as much. Like, like there's, like, a total of, like, ten, like, you know, like, ten seconds to a minute outside, mm. right? Like, you could just, like, and there's no need for him to have fallen off, like, a giant cliff other than you know, dramatics and yeah, like know, into like an ice lake. Yeah. Like, Which, and, by the way, if you look at the New York city scenes, does that look like New York in winter? Fuck. No, it doesn't because it was shot in Chicago and Los Angeles in the summer. Like, obviously. and you know what? To your previous point, if they had lampshaded it, it would have worked as a joke. Yeah, exactly. I know. That's the thing that kills me about all of this. You can get away with all of this lazy shit in a Deadpool movie just by calling it out and making it like funny. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, this, this is really nitpicky, but it bothered me, so I'm going to bring it up, which is, like, the icebox has all these plastic prison cells, but it's not like they're housing Magneto, and, like, the walkways are all metal, so why? <laughs> like, why wouldn't a normal jail cell just work? Yeah, I know. I have no idea why normal jails would not, but I just work. Like it, it looked neat. Sure, I guess maybe like maybe plastic just says like future containment better, and that that that's that's what they were going for. But I was just like, why why like because this is explicitly an X Men universe movie, and because we know that Magneto is kept in a plastic prison cell because he's Magneto, yep. the use of plastic prison cells invites that criticism in a weird way. Um, uh, this this this. It, it it's like it's like a quiet place, um, in 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 that way, uh, I don't know that that, that just, like again it's it, that, that's small and it's not a huge deal but it, it it bothered me. Yeah, I do want to be clear that like even this uh, this all is definitely nitpicky bullshit. And while it does bother me and get on my nerves, I it doesn't really detract from my overall score uh, all that much. Um, like like I said, I I still think that Deadpool two is marginally better than the first one. Um, and even if I didn't think the first one was very good, I'm trying to think, what's a good ballpark? It's, like, just super middling, to be honest. Like, but it's kind of worse than, like, all of the Marvel movies. Uh, I don't think it's worse than all the Marvel movies. But, really? Um, I, I... Or two, maybe? I don't know. See, those movies are bad because they're forgettable, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't, like, I don't think this movie is as actively bad, right? Like, like, I think this movie, like... I know that you're going to crucify for this, but I think this movie is better than Batman versus Superman. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, but I would agree that it's it's not like Suicide Squad. Yeah. You know, it's not like anything down there. Um, uh, but, like, I'd put this in, like, you know, in terms of typical rating scale, I'd put this, like, high 70s, low 80s. Okay. Uh, uh, which, you know, it's solid kind of, like, fan of the genre may be applicable to a broader audience. Yeah, uh, I think I'm a little lower than that. Like, I guess I would still, like, if, I, if I'm going by, like, a Rotten Tomatoes sort of thing, I would say that it's still... I don't know. I don't, I don't like Rotten Tomatoes as, like, a scale just because it's it's literally... Uh, this, is, this is a rant that's maybe best saved for, like, like an, an after But Rotten Tomatoes is not a score that you look to to see how good the movie is. It's, it's, it's a measure of what... Like, because it's just, like, a percentage of positive reviews... It's like the Rotten Tomatoes score is 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 useful for kind of like vague like thumbs up thumb downs, but it's not good for um it's not good for uh like like uh 
like detailed kind of uh, nuances because it's really easy to get a really high or a really low Rotten Tomato score by being like blandly all right or like generically bad. Then yeah, you... yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking whether I would give it fresh or rotten. Like, oh, okay. I'm a critic Sorry. on Rotten Tomatoes. Would I give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? And I think I like barely, probably barely give it a thumbs up. Um, and, and actually, you know, it might be something along the lines of like, because I think that thumbs up, thumbs down is it's like 60 or whatever. Um, like I might say that Deadpool 1 is like 58 and this is like 61 or something where it like just barely gets over that line um, in, in, in a way. Yeah, uh, whatever. I, I disagree. Yeah. I mean, I obviously thought better of, of Deadpool 1. Um, <sighs> I wonder Oof. how much you would like it on a, on a rewatch. I felt very good yeah. that I was kind of... Because uh, uh, I actually thought I was being a little too hard on it the first time because I was thinking about it and I was talking with some friends at work about it. Um, but uh, but then on a rewatch, I was like, mm, I, was pretty on, I was pretty on point. I was pretty right about this yeah. one. So I, I, I need to plan it out more because if I rewatch something uh, where the sequel is kind of like a little bit like it was supposed to be is basically a, a bit more of the same. I will like watching Deadpool one or not with Deadpool. The what this happened with me with John Wick is watching John Wick one right before John Wick two. I think detracts from my enjoyment of John Wick two. Cause I've just sat through an hour and you know, an hour and a half, two hours of what that movie already is. Oh, interesting. So I like, like I should have watched Deadpool one last week. That way I had enough time for it to like filter out of my brain to watch Deadpool two. Um, uh, to watch Deadpool 2 for it. And I, I, I know that that happens, which is why I avoided watching it um, either right before I saw it, you know, like right before I saw it. So um, maybe maybe in a week I'll, I'll go watch Deadpool 1 and see if uh, if, if it holds up. Yeah, because I pretty frequently find... Um, I pretty frequently like find myself on second viewings reevaluating things. Like, it's pretty uncommon for me to come away... Uh, from whatever you know like whatever thing i have watched and i watch it again my my opinion changes either marginally as in the case of something like you know like bbs and i liked it more but i i liked it a lot to begin with so i liked it even more uh sort of thing but then there are like some radical changes which is like you know like the force awakens which i thought was good and now i think is bad for instance um yeah i don't i i think there's i think that there's some there's, there's like I, I, I value kind of the, 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 like going into a movie fresh without having seen it. I think has a component that you can't recreate, and I think that that's kind of an important factor that you can that, that you dilute by rewatching it. And I, and I think that like, I, I, I think that. Th- that, that you need to take that into account, which is, you know, to be fair. Interesting. I mean, that's actually kind of like a philosophical thing that I don't think I agree with that, but I, I kind of understand where you're coming from because I don't know that I think, I think I like, like Man of Steel, right? Which is a movie that I watch, like it's a, it's an extremely watchable movie. Right? Sure. And if I'm sitting there and I'm playing WoW and I'm like, oh, you know, I just finished this TV show. What should I watch? It's easy for me to put on Man of Steel just because like I've watched it a billion times. It's just like, it's like a good, it's like a good watchable, fun movie, right? And some of the Marvel movies are also kind of in this in this vein, right? Like I find The Winter Soldier very watchable. I find Age of Ultron obviously uh, very watchable. Uh, Doctor Strange is also this sort of thing. Guardians Two, right? Like there's a lot of movies that kind of fit into this into this um, 
mold. And I almost think that like the platonic ideal of a movie is one that can be watched ad infinitum versus the platonic ideal of a movie is the movie that you watch it in the theater the very first time ever. And it's the, and it's the best. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that's like the foundation of a lot of my like different opinions because it's also kind of like the crater that surrounds uh, stuff like Infinity War or like Civil War. You know, like when Civil War came out, everybody was like, oh my God, it's the greatest. But now everybody's a little bit lukewarm on it, right? And people see the flaws in it more. Same thing with The Force Awakens. That kind of same thing has happened or whatever. And I wonder if it's because like I almost think of movies as a, you know, as a reconsumable medium rather than like a one-shot kind of medium. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get that. I, I think that there's... I think there's value in both approaches. I just think that, like, I think that there is 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 a separate value that is identifiable from that first viewing. Yeah. Um, yeah like, okay. not 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 that I disagree that like what like you know I've watched Empire Strikes Back more times than I can count, and I love it every time I do. I mean, it's not, not to say that I, I don't think movies should should be rewatched. I just um, I think that like the uh, the opinions of a movie on first viewing being significantly different from a movie well-considered and rewatched, are both valid but in different ways, if that makes sense. Um, uh, kind of... I, uh, what's... Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything else to say to say on that. Um, I thought, uh, just kind of like some closing things, I thought that uh, Thermonuclear Kid was, was underused in this movie. Um... Uh, I liked Yukiho as like a gag, but that was a pretty good gag. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, especially when he's dying and he's like, it's, bye, bye, Yukiho. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I really, I really, um, like that. Uh, but, but I, I thought that like, she gets like one, like one, literally one action scene. And I feel like they just kind of included her cause they, they kind of had to. I really would have liked it better if she was a little bit deeper in. Uh, what do you What do you think? Uh, it was pretty on the on the money. I think that um, <clears throat> I actually think that Cable was underutilized. If anybody was, yeah. Uh, like I'll I said, I kind of wanted this to be a little bit more Cable's movie. I think him showing up at the second act was wrong. Uh, like at the beginning of the second act, I think he should have shown up uh, much quicker. Uh, and that, like, this whole thing with, like, Colossus and the X-Men or whatever was kind of, like... Actually, another comedy bit that I thought was really funny. It wasn't quite, like, a set piece in the same way that the parachute jump was. Um, but uh, I really liked him in Xavier's chair with the camera mounted right in front of his face. And he was, like, knocking into things or yeah. whatever. That bit I thought was really great. There are some, like, really great comedy bits in here. It's just, like... Uh, they don't have they don't have really great glue holding them together, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, th I thought she was fine. I thought I thought basically everybody was utilized uh, the appropriate amount in this movie, except for Cable. I think Cable should have been around a little bit more uh, by showing up earlier or less. And he could, like I I could see you know the the Cable movie that comes out next, which is more in the traditional kind of Deadpool and Cable vein, being really good. Um, and if you wanted that to be like, you either make this more about cable and you make this a cable movie or you make it less and like, and like, um, use the foreshadowing you have of, of a future cable kind of thing going, um, to kind of launch that forward. 
Yeah, I think uh, the next one is going to be X-Force. Um, and X-Force is typically a team that, like, Deadpool... X-Force is the team that Cable made uh, in the 90s to be, like, like brooding and hardcore with, and he, like, led that team. Uh, and uh, But it eventually got, like, repurposed. Like, Wolverine led X-Force for a while. Um, but it took, but it's had Deadpool on it a couple of times, um, so I, I feel like they'll end up doing a thing where, like, it's more of a team-up X-Force movie um, where Deadpool can kind of just sit back and be comic relief and not worry too much about holding yeah. kind of, like, the core plot stuff. Oh, I bet you, I bet you X-Force becomes kind of like, like, the, the X-Men Guardians. Um, I bet you they go for that kind of model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would. I actually kind of hope that they bleed across from. I mean, I don't actually hope this because I don't think that there are very many really good characters in like the mainline X Men movies. Um, but I actually think I would like to see. Like, could you imagine? Like, oh, that's a good example. God, man, I kind of don't like these X Men movies now that I'm thinking about it quickly. Like Quicksilver, I guess. I like Quicksilver. I like Beast. Um, yeah, I like Beast. I don't think either of them really belong on it. Yeah, Actually, Beast would be pretty okay on an X-Force movie. Actually, a brief Beast would be really funny, I think, in an X-Force movie. Um, so, uh, but like that, you know? I think that yeah. kind of thing. Um, uh, I do want to say that I really actually liked Joe Pinder's kill. Because I, I, I don't know if you saw it coming. I didn't. Um, I was I like, did not see that coming. I, like, funny. yeah, like you got to kill this principal somehow, right? Like, I was like, is, is there just gonna have like Deadpool or Cable shoot him in, and uh, and Dopinder just like running him over with the taxi, just like oh, mwah. that that was that was good. And then like, all right, Brown Panther. I don't know why, but that that really got me. That that really got got a belly laugh out of me. That uh, was pretty funny. I agree. Um, uh, I also like. I know it's like post credits, kind of like jokey garbage, but I liked the the like. The, the, the very meta elements where, like, he goes and, like, shoots himself in X-Men Origins and, like, shoots himself with the Green Lantern script. Really. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I, I, I agree with you there. Um, <laughs> and I was, like, super impressed that they managed to, like, like frame the shots with, 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 uh, with, with, uh, with, with, with Hugh Jackman, you know, with Logan just right. So it's just like, what? And then he's like, don't worry. I don't know. I, I thought I thought it worked really well. I was I was really... And, you know, a post credit scene is the perfect place for that to happen. So, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the funniest bit about that joke for me was when he just takes the Desert Eagle and he's already shot himself. And he just, like, sits there, but he's, like, looking dead at the camera and just unloads the clip into his own corpse. That was really funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but um, I think that's that, that's about our time for Deadpool. Did you have anything else you want to say about it? You know, I don't think I have anything else uh, that I want to say about it. Yeah, I don't have anything else I want to say about it. All right, well, um, time for our weeks. We start out with our very short Hell's Rebel session where we just kind of like, we basically like made some minor decisions about uh, about how this peace accord is going to work with the Glorious Reclamation yeah, I mean, like I said at the time, this was really kind of just pick. This is like a pickup. This was all supposed to be wrapped inside of the single session, but we essentially went went long. So uh, it was just like picking up and, and solidifying uh, and solidifying some of that stuff. Though it did cause it did cause me to like sit down and look at this like Chalayak's Empire of Devils book, um, which yeah. I found interesting. Yeah, so, uh, sorry if I like 
if I spoiled myself in anything by being like, huh, and there's adventure hooks in every single one of these places, well, and they're all terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, that, is <laughs> that is almost kind of what ended up happening, because I, I, I sat down and I read through the whole book. Um, and I was basically like, man, like they have a really cool idea right here if they didn't just fuck it up so awfully. (laughs) (laughs) So I have, I have kind of rewritten some, I mean, I already know, I already knew some of the things that I wanted to accomplish. You know, like Rivazair is obviously the next big plot point and I knew he was in Pezak. Um, and, uh, and I, so I already kind of knew what I wanted to do with some of this stuff, but like the islands or whatever, like I actually, like that three... Uh, don't don't go back and read this monster manual entry, but I actually like the Cerberus Worm quite a bit, and I actually like the idea of you guys fighting the Cerberus Worm. So maybe we'll do that or something. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see the entry. I just saw, like, I think it's also easy enough for for like Beauregard to be like, that's like an urban, le-, you know, like that's an urban legend which may or may not have truth to it. Yeah. Um, and so like, I don't think Beauregard knowing of the existence of the uh, of the worm is 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 a problem in character. It, 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 it makes it, it fits into the story really well because it's like the perfect kind of thing for like Mateo to come to you guys to be like, hey, listen, we're trying to use these straits that you guys just like essentially negotiated to get right, but we can't do it. And there's this worm there, go fight it. You know, like that's like the yeah. most classic adventure hook for just like a yeah, big yeah. cinematic boss fight I've ever fucking heard. Though the the monster itself is pretty cool, but uh, like all things that Paizo ever does and i interact with of course i'm going to tinker with it um so <laughs> yeah maybe you can go read the maybe you can go read yeah. the uh the... Spe- speaking of uh worm uh or you know paizo monster design they, they recently released they're like uh the, their monster design stuff for for 2e which uh uh we're both very excited about i think i am extremely excited yeah. about yes um i'm mostly i'm mostly excited about it um I, we were talking about this a little bit before the cast, but I will repeat myself for the lovely listeners at home. Uh, because I feel like I've been having a small kind of war against this monster design for the entirety of my life. Um, essentially, I think 3.5 uh, and Pathfinder 1E kind of inherited it. Has this, I like to call it like an a priori monster design, where like everything in the monster is like a distillable to kind of like base parts and you can't do stuff with monsters that aren't like do you know what i mean like it has to if it wants to do this it has to have class levels and that raises its hp by you know like whatever and it's oh it needs it has feats what do i use its feats on iron will you know what i mean like all that kind of like all that kind of stuff and i find that to be chore and boring and lame and not fun i think monsters are uh, essentially glorified mechanic puzzles and they should be treated uh, as such. Don't let don't let this kind of like, you know what I mean? Like I don't like putting those kinds of shackles on myself. I want to design a monster that's fun and engaging to fight, not, you know, try and make a fun and engaging monster out of all of these like um, out of all of these like monster rules or whatever. So uh, I, I, I only disagree with you in kind of the I think the fundamental problem with the 3.5 PF1 stuff is that it's not super well done. Like, I think you can build a system that's kind of like, assemble these parts and you'll get a monster of roughly this power level. <coughs> and you can use that as kind of like a, a reliable benchmark um, for, you know, designing your own encounters um, with your own custom monsters. I just don't think that the um, 3.5 and the Pathfinder systems actually hit that that well um, I think this is really well summarized in a in a post on the most recent Paizo 
a blog that I, I, I cut out and I posted in our, our chat about this. This is, this is from Mark Seifter. Um, in PF1, you had a system for building monsters that wasn't much like building PCs, but sort of looked close enough in some ways to seem parallel if you didn't look closely enough and generated results that were drastic, drastically different than what PCs actually, were actually like. Um, for instance, as PF1 monsters, its levels increased and have vastly more HP than all but the most con-heavy PCs and way lower DCs, uh, just to name a few low-hanging fruit. And I think that that's kind of like the big problem here is like, because you're used to building character or like, because you, it looks like a character building system, you build it like characters, and that actually isn't what you want to do. Yeah, um, I, I actually don't think that that view and my view are mutually exclusive. Sure, I'm no, not I, against I, any. I'm not against like having a system for it, but I really hate the kind of idea that like the system for building PCs and the system for building monsters are similar, right? Uh, and need to kind of like f need to function in a similar. Uh, sort of way. And I do think Pathfinder 1 gets around this a little bit with like universal monster rules and stuff like that. Um, it is worse in 3.5 than it is here. Um, but uh, but I definitely agree with Mark Seifter that, you know, the the proper place is to just kind of decouple these two systems entirely. The, the, the only thing I, I, I dislike about that approach kind of on face is I wish, like I, I want bet, like I, I think that the fantasy of kind of like the uh, like the 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 monstrous PC, you know, you know, like some way for the, the 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 characters to get some of those monstrous mechanics in some limited way, I think is a valid fantasy and one that's that's interesting. And maybe it's not for this game, but I think they also they, they curtailed that horrendously in PF one by making by like basically making wild shape and the polymorph spells incredibly boring. Yeah. Um, and so I'm yeah, I mean, I have heard, I've heard a lot of arguments. I, I'm a big fan of druids, um, and I would like to play a druid someday, but Pathfinder druid... Because I, I played a druid in 3.5 for a while, um, and, but Pathfinder druids are bad. They're just, like, not... Yeah, well, I'm excited to see what they do. Let, let's say, I'm excited to see what they do in Pathfinder 2e. It might be the first Pathfinder 2e character I roll. Yeah, no, I... I um, I, I like, Wooden Wanderer and, at some levels, um, uh, Atticus... Uh, were had like those shape shifting elements to them, and like you basically hunt through the monster manual for things with like traits that you're allowed to copy over, yeah. rather than like playing something cool because you think it's cool. And I I, I think that um, if if you split if you may build the monster separately, you can. Uh, you can maybe make it a little bit better. Yeah, maybe we'll do, like, a whole class podcast on, like, druids. There's a lot of history to druids and yeah. a lot of different ways druids have been, like, implemented um, across 5e, 4e, 3.5, Pathfinder, right? Yeah. Because, um, they're like, 3.5, they were ridiculously broken. Yeah. Um, oh, they were insanely broken. Yeah, if you remember, your your uh, your master of many forms. My master of many forms. That is the single most character I think, I, the most broken character I think I've ever made. Because um, he could just take, he could literally take anything. He could be a gargantuan dragon. He yeah. could be like a very ancient or whatever. Uh, I, don't, I actually don't think he could be an ancient dragon. I think he could be very old, which was still like colossal or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, or he could be like a mosquito, which was like diminutive, but I still had all my magic items and shit, and it basically made me unhittable because my AC was like 48. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've, I have heard that they are. Um, like very powerful in five e, not as bad as three five. But I, I, um, I play with a a, a druid in five e, but she's also not like a super, super like power gamey person. So yeah, maybe Charles that's... plays a druid in five e. Um, uh, so I yeah. wonder what he would have to say about that. He's he is very much a power gamer, I find. Yeah. 
but yeah, no, like it, like the five E stuff is is great. Like you you transform into a form, and then you get the form's HP on top of your base HP, um, and you you basically get like once that HP is is depleted, you you turn back into your regular self, and so it's like a shield on top of your regular HP, um, and you get like a bunch of the cool abilities that the monster gets, which. I think it's like the important part is that you is that you get the the stuff about the monster that makes the monster cool, rather than just kind of like this you know like the, the dumb little stuff like you get like PF I think it's just like a massive failure in that regards. Yeah. Um, which is which is sad, because I like those kind of mechanics. Um, not necessarily yeah, in, in a certain sense, part. I actually kind of think the druid. I I think I pitched this, maybe on the 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 podcast where we talked about um, <clears throat> the. Fuck, what was the podcast that we talked about? Uh, I'm like having a huge... I'm having a hard time remembering. Oh, The Shifter! The yeah. Ultimate Wilderness podcast. Uh, I think I kind of pitched this. I think the big problem with druids uh, is that they kind of have too much and they probably want to be split into two classes. Probably something like a shaman, which gets ninth level spellcasting and stuff and is like that kind of... You know, that, that, that like nature divine spellcaster um, and uh, druid, which is, you know, the, the shapeshifter right who takes on different forms and maybe gets a small you know like you change that to like a sixth level spellcaster or something kind of along yeah. those lines well that, that's that's um, kind of how 5e works is you, you either specialize in spells or you specialize in shapeshifting yeah and one's significantly greater than the other um i think that works out well yeah um, i think that that's probably the uh, the correct approach and for for pathfinder i don't know how you can do that because spell like it's hard to chop off spell levels. Are there archetypes that like chop off spell levels? Not, not like that. No. Yeah, um, I feel like it would have to just be two different classes. Yeah. Um, either call it druid and shifter, or shaman and druid, and, and, it, and it would work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, even shifter is uh, bad. Yeah. No, for, shift- at, at at doing that, you know, because it essentially is like, oh, well, we're gonna make something that's like the wild shape, but it has all these. You know, like, we had to nerf the shit out of Wild Shape because druids were overpowered, and then we just port Wild Shape one-to-one into a class that doesn't... that is already, like, underpowered or whatever. I don't know. Ah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about We've talked about how we don't like the shifter in the past, I guess. Yeah. <sighs> what games are you playing this week? Uh, I've been playing a lot more Battletech. Uh, Battletech is getting a little bit... How many hours am I into it? Um, Battletech is getting a little bit kind of wrote at this point i've i'm 62 hours deep though so i wouldn't say that as a bad thing i think any game after 62 hours tends to get a little repetitive um but uh but yeah uh the 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 game has some interesting quirks as you get higher in level um like there are these like difficulty ratings that kind of measure the tonnage of enemy mechs but it doesn't quite account for... There have been some missions that are like, oh, two and a half skulls, I'm bringing in a mech thing that's four skulls. I should easily, like, wipe the floor with this. And then I end up, like, restarting the mission from scratch three times because my guys keep dying. Um, because what ends up happening is the, is the action economy gets against you, especially in battles. Um, in battles, there is typically a main force and a reinforcement force. Um, but it looks as though the main force and the reinforcement force both start on the map at the same time and the reinforcement force is just farther away from you but you can end up in a lot of situations where like it's basically impossible in three or four rounds to destroy a whole suite of battle mechs right um and you end up getting like swarmed uh just like on all sides by like twice as many battle mechs as you have um and so even if you're bringing like super heavy hardcore gear uh you can still kind of get wrecked uh by that stuff which sucks 
Um, but you know, it is, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, that sounds, that sounds not great. Um, any, any other games you've been playing? Uh, what other games have we been playing? They announced a total war DLC, the queen and the crone, which is a high elf, dark elf kind of DLC, but there's also like a bunch of other shit that's getting changed to like dwarves are getting an update. Uh, people think that all like that that old world races are going to be getting kind of tangential updates with um, uh, the different uh, with like the, the different DLCs that come out for Warhammer, um, and so dwarves and Norska are getting updates in this one um, because they're finally adding Norska in after like uh, not a year, it's been a while though, uh, like nine months or something like uh, something like that. Um, so I have, I am simultaneously pulled dramatically to want to go play, uh, Total War, but also resisting my urge to go play Total War because if I do, it will be, (laughs) uh, if I do, I will be kind of like cannibalizing myself when the DLC kind of comes out. Uh, and then the other thing is that they announced some, this is just a follow-up on the Witchwood, uh, they announced a series of changes and nerfs, um, to some of the stuff that we were talking about. Um, and there, there's actually one thing that we forgot to mention. We didn't talk about Spiteful Summoner, did we? Uh, no, I don't think I'm familiar. Okay, so Spiteful Summoner is a card that came out in Cobalt's of Catacombs. It says, reveal a spell from your deck, summon a random minion with the same cost, right? And so it has generated a couple of different decks, the most prominent being Spiteful Priest um, and Spiteful Druid, because Druid has... Um, ultimate infestation, right? And priest has mind control. And what you do is you build a deck of entirely creatures. So it's kind of a mid-range zoo-ish deck, right? Uh, And then you include two copies of ultimate infestation, two copies of mind control, so that hopefully if you draw into Spiteful Summoner on turn six, you can play Spiteful Summoner and summon a 10-10. And specifically because the old gods just rotated out, like the old gods used to be 10 mana cost cards with kind of like not super great stats like Nazoth is a 5-7, Cthulhu is a 6-6, Yogg-Saron is a 7-5. Now the worst you can do is summon an 8-8 and the best you can do is summon a 12-12 that can't be targeted by spells or abilities. Um, So what you end up getting uh, with Spiteful Summoner is like an insane tempo swing uh at at like on turn six and if you don't have the answer to that like tyrantis or whatever you're fucked you know um so they're nerfing that from six to seven some of the other nerfs are just kind of normal uh there's actually a wild nerf uh that that was pretty interesting but like dark pact which enables this this control warlock that we were talking about is being nerfed from restoring eight mana to restoring four mana um uh possessed lackey which is the five mana two two that when it dies it pulls a demon out of your deck that's going up to six mana uh call to arms which is a paladin card uh that's enabled this kind of aggro paladin deck where it pulls three minions out of your deck that cost uh two mana or less is going from four mana to five mana so there's a bunch of you know there's a bunch of different cards that are getting uh that are getting hit uh, and the meta is is going to be even nicer for all of my various and sundry warrior decks. Nice. All right. Well, you know, I I, I haven't been playing uh, a ton of Hearthstone, so I I you know I don't I don't I'm not super dialed into any of that stuff. 
Yeah, it's also not something you see until you get to the higher ranks, I, f I find. Um, That's fair. It's kind of rare for me to see, like, a true blue, you know, like, even paladin deck or something. Fair enough. Um, huh. Uh, did you play anything else with your, your week? Uh, did I play anything else? I've been trying to find another game like Battletech. Uh, but I haven't quite gotten there yet. Like, I, I booted up Pillars of Eternity, but then booted it down. Um, I don't know why I can't really get into to that game. And then I also booted up Divinity Original Sin, because I was thinking, like, oh, like, these are also kind of quasi-turn-based. Yeah, you know, Divinity is, more, is much more turn-based, yeah. Um, but, so, yeah. Just couldn't get into that either. Uh, you know, I, I only gave it a couple of minutes. Maybe if I, like, really dedicate some time into it, I'll go, like, I'll go nuts on it, but. Fair that's enough. My, that is my big search. I am searching for my, the next game that is like Battletech, um, now that I'm, like, on the, on the back nine of, uh, of Battletech. Fair enough. Well, um, my week, I played a bit of Deadbolt. Or actually, I beat Deadbolt. Deadbolt is a game of people who made Risk of Rain. Um, it's different, though. It's more like, uh, oh, there's like a... An, it's basically a, a side-view a side view stealth game where you, you see, like, the... Uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, the uh, what's it called? Uh, the, like, the, the rooms that you're going into, kind of like Aragami, more like... Um, uh, I can't remember what, what the name of it is... Uh, there, there, there's, there's another game that's just very like it that, I, that, I, that that's uh, escaping me. But um, you play as kind of a, a reaper and you're killing a bunch of undead. Um, it's very puzzly, very kind of like, you know, die a bunch, retry, try again. Um, I thought it was fun. Uh, if you're into that kind of game, it's a good kind of five hours of entertainment. Um, uh, I'd recommend it for anybody interested in that. Um, I've been meaning to say this and I've forgotten. I've been playing a ton of... Uh, that mobile game you recommended, Two Eyes. Um, oh yeah, dude! Right? Don't you fucking love that game? Uh, it's it's great to play while I'm listening to podcasts um, and laying in my bed. That, that's, yeah. Um, it's 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 a great little time waster, I guess is the best way to put it, because it doesn't require as much thought as like, uh, uh, I don't know, like like Hearthstone. Like Hearthstone, mm -hmm. I feel like I have to concentrate on too much to actually play the game. Yeah. Um, this game is nice and light. Um, what else have I been playing? I've been playing a bit of Warframe, which I've been enjoying. Um, Ooh. I hear, I've always heard really good things. I mean, I've heard good things about Warframe since, like, 2013, 2014, when Total Biscuit made a video on it that I watched yeah. that was like, Warframe is 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 fun and it's getting better, and I've yeah. never actually played it. It's just, it's, you know, it's good. It's kind of like Destiny in that it's a PvE shooter. Mm -hmm. um, it's different. It's uh, different, though, in that it's, like, it, it's less about... Um, it's less about kind of like your individual stuff and more about like your, your Warframe and, or rather it is about your stuff, but it's less about like the kind of like roles on the stuff. If that makes sense. I don't know. You, it, I'd recommend that everybody go play a little bit of it. Just get used to it. It's very fluid. Um, I've been, I've been just kind of like grinding some stuff on it. It's a good kind of like relaxation shooter, uh, for me. Um, uh, if I ever decide to dip back into Destiny 2, I'm sure I'll, I'll feel similarly about that. Yeah, man, what a what a fucking dramatic fall Destiny 2 yeah. has just plummeted. Uh, yeah, that's been most of my week. Um, 
I did want to get your feelings on something, though. Um, I don't know if you've heard this, but um, it appears that we will that uh, the Warcraft movie franchise is dead. Yeah, uh, I did see that. I'm um, very sad about it. We were actually talking, like, me and a couple of people, like, a couple of my WoW friends were talking about, like, going in and buying uh, uh, stuff so, off the auction. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I've been I've been looking at it. And, like, the only stuff that's, like, really affordable is, like, the VFX uh, props, which are, like, mm-hmm. not real. Like, who knows, like, I was actually looking at the Ghost in the Shell props before them because, um, not that, like, I'm a big fan. Obviously, I, I hated Ghost in the Shell, but, like, some of those props looked neat. Yeah. Um, but even by the, like, I was like, oh, there are three pairs of like Hanma glasses that are like uh, three, four hundred bucks. Not a great deal, but I could swing that for like a piece of official merch or something. And then I went back to look and it was up to like five hundred dollars. I'm like, no fucking way. Yeah, we like, were talking about getting a uh, a quote unquote realistic lighting dummy from from the Warcraft thing that was like a movie. Like, I think this is the VFX stuff that you're talking about. Uh, like, yeah, which is like a life size like orc mannequin that they just put in scenes so that the like the light airs could could get a good sense for how to cgi light the orcs um no so i'm talking about they have they have like the weapons but they're like black foam that's just like i I guess they get swung around that way they can project the vfx onto them right right right. uh uh, but you know like i'm looking like like the like uh orabesh or whatever the staff's name is is like already up to like Seven or eight hundred dollars. It's like, uh, oh yeah, ATS. Yeah, ATS. There we go. Yeah. Um, Orbesh is the name of the Star Wars writing. Uh, uh, where my mind is. Uh, so does it make you sad that uh that that there's gonna be no more cinematic WoW? Um. Yeah, but maybe we'll get there. I kind of have a feeling that this is a little before its time, and in the same way that like. What's a good example of this? Maybe, you know, it took a couple of years between Batman and Robin and Batman Begins. We might see another Warcraft thing, you know, 10, 20 years from now that is, that is, uh, that is good. I could also see like a full CG movie being all right. Yeah. I mean, I like, I, you know, like I like World of Warcraft a lot. I actually think that if World of, I kind of doubt that they would do this. But, like, with the aesthetics of their current cinematic team, you know what I mean? Like, they have a really powerful, uh, they clearly have, like, a really powerful engine and stuff for that. And so I almost, like, wonder how effective it would be for them to just take, you know, like, to, t- to take that and, and port it into, a, like, an animated movie. Do you know what I mean? Kind of almost like a Final Fantasy Advent Children sort of thing. Not that Advent Children is good, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I could... Uh, I could... I could, I think if it comes again, um, Blizzard is going to do it themselves. And it's not going to be uh, any... It's not going to be any uh, uh, any of this uh, stuff that... Uh, and and from, from an outside studio. And I think that could be good, right? Like, they've, they've shown yeah. they're competent with, like, the Overwatch shorts. I'm sure someone there is itching to be like, oof, let me... Let me do, please, the whole thing. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen some bad stuff with that, like the Ratchet and Clank movie was, and Ratchet and Clank is is a franchise that is near and dear to my heart, but I didn't go see that movie because uh, I heard it was awful. Um, that uh, you know, some stuff has not worked out uh, for them, so or for like for like movies kind of built in that vein. So I think it'll still take some time, but we'll get you know we'll get there. Yeah, 
It's funny to me that the best video game movies are consistently. Oh, this is another great example of what the of what Deadpool wants to be. But the Jumanji movie, did you see Jumanji? I did not. It was the best comedy of last year. Quick mental. Yeah, no, it was the best comedy of last year, right? Right. It was this year, wasn't it? Wasn't it March? Uh, what? No, Jumanji was last uh, last December. Okay. What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Rampage. Uh, yeah, you might be thinking okay. of Rampage. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, so Jumanji was, uh, you know, it's a movie about a bunch of kids who get sucked into a literal video game. Um, and it's written by a writer I like a lot, the guy, a guy named Chris McKay. Um, and, uh, and like, it's, you know, it is the same sort of thing where, like, it is an action comedy where the action set pieces are also comedy set pieces, you know, and that's what makes it, you know, like, that's what makes it funny sort of thing. Um, and that they should have gone for something more, you know along those lines uh do, do you think that like the reason that that like that's a video game movie but it's not a video game movie based on any existing video game do you think that there's something to that um you know maybe because it allows i i think one of the problems with video game movies uh that are explicitly based off of video games themselves is it it causes problems when we talk about you know, like, it, people have something else to kind of measure it against, if that makes sense. But something like Wreck-It Ralph doesn't have to me- – it, it's not a real game. You know, right. I don't have to measure how fun it would be to play the Wreck-It Ralph game. And there's, like, nothing else to it. So it kind of allows a little bit more freedom. So it's like an adaptation that doesn't have the downsides of an adaptation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I feel that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh do you think you think we'll ever get a, a, a good kind of like direct adaptation? Because um, I think the answer could could easily be no. That like in in transforming what is a a video game into what is a movie, you you lose the essential essence that makes the the game special, and you're never going to satisfy anybody who enjoys that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, I think that there are some games that are built for it and some games that are not built for it. Uh, I think you could make a reasonably compelling Mass Effect game in the kind of you know. Mass Star Effect Wars. movie, you mean? I'm sorry, Mass Effect movie in the kind of Star Wars mold. You know, like it's you know, I I I am skeptical of games like the Angry Birds movie, which by the way might be the kind of the 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 breakaway that that everybody needed because um, it made a bazillion dollars, right? Oh, but like no. the Angry Birds movie doesn't have anything to pin itself on. You know, it has this vague idea of like birds or whatever. And I think that, yeah, there's probably some trouble in adapting, you know, like a narrative game like Mass Effect or like Dragon Age or, you know, any of the other ones, Half-Life, whatever, Halo. Uh, but that you could, you know, like that's that's a solvable problem, right? Uh, and that you could definitely get there. And once somebody kind of does, probably once somebody does by like, I don't know. See, I want to say by, like, really engaging with the content in the way that, like, Marvel uh, or, you know, in, in a way that, like, the better comic book movies really engaged with the content in them, right? Like, Doctor Strange looks like Doctor Strange, right? Or, like, Batman Begins is a pretty true-to-form adaptation of Batman Year One or something along those kinds of lines. Uh, but Warcraft is kind of an example of somebody who did make a really good kind of faithful take on on the uh, on the movie, and it didn't turn out as good as you know any of these other sort of like breakaway movies have been. So I don't know. There's there's an alchemy to it that has yet to be figured out. Yeah, I I, I think that 
I mean, this this is gonna be me being grumpy, um, because I I historically uh, I'm not as big a fan of these games, but I think your your best video game movie is going to be an adaptation of a walking simulator, um, and that's only because I think a lot of walking simulators want to be movies and are operating in the game space because it's easier to to come up in that space, um, which is my hot take. Um, but I could see like Gone Home being a compelling movie, or or even like what what remains of Edith Finch. Um, which I thought was actually very good, a very good experience, um, being a compelling movie. Um, yeah, I actually kind of think that a horror movie is probably, like, Slender Man that comes out later this year might be the best, uh, sort of... Well, Slender Man, Slender Man is, like, a meme more than it is, like, a, a video game in particular. Yeah, I mean, okay. But, but, but I, I do think you're right, like, I think you could make a good Silent Hill movie or a good... Resident Evil movie, not the Resident yeah, Evil. I mean, I actually good, would, like, I would actually kind of one. argue that the Silent Hill movie we got is a pretty good Silent Hill movie. Uh, uh, I I like that movie quite a bit. Actually. I mean, if you want to talk about like like reasonably successful video game movies, the Resident Evil movies are like they made like seven of them, so yeah, that's I guess true. something has to work there. No, they they divert. I mean, the Resident Evil movie. Oh yeah, I, like the Silent Hill the movies. Um, the second one I don't remember being very good, but the first one I remember liking quite a bit um, was I actually think is pretty well regarded. Actually, um, was uh, they're they're kind of like two sides of the same coin in a way because like Silent Hill is a, a spiritual adaptation that like successfully translates the atmosphere of a Silent Hill movie of a Silent Hill game without directly translating you know like Silent Hill two to a movie format, right? Yeah, uh, I mean... Whereas Resident Evil is kind of just, like, in-name only, it feels like. Yeah. Um, I think part of the thing, too, is, like, a, like the Silent Hill games have been spotty ever since, like, 2, and the general consensus is that a lot of Silent Hill, both in movies and games, have been trying to redo Silent Hill 2, but a little bit different and have been failures in kind of that regard. Uh, so, you know, maybe, but I definitely get your point that, that, that yeah. horror games can, can, can cross that bridge probably a little bit easier. I mean, the big thing about a horror game is that it's cheap, or I'm sorry, a horror movie is that it's cheap. You yeah. know, you just make something that's like bargain basement, right? And as soon as you get a little bit of an ROI on it, you just go and you make, you know, the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Well, that yeah. actually is going to be a movie. But, you know, like, there are so many of these, like, survival horror games to kind of plumb the depths for that I'm sure you can find something uh that will kind of be like the spark in the same way that i that you know like the blade movies are kind of like action horror movies right and are kind of the 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 spark for like the comic book revolution that we saw in the early 2000s uh, i think we might see something a little bit along those lines right you know first you have that then you have your kind of like pg-13 action blockbuster which is you know like let's say halo or something and then you know you start getting you start getting stuff a little bit more down the line um that is like really true to form you think we'll ever get uh, a Fortnite movie in oh, the God. battle royale I, genre I feel like we, we're gonna have to do a Fortnite episode it's the most popular game in the world it's yeah legends and i i have never touched it and i expect that i will probably not find i mean i didn't i it's funny because i like PUBG, and i think of myself as finding that game fun and engaging but i also never play it like it is never on top of my list of games to play uh, so well i mean I, don't know, I still play a bunch of it um that's fair but maybe the, it's just because i can't i don't have as many opportunities to play with people yeah the, the the joke there was mostly that the genre is named after a movie that spawned the genre which is battle royale 
Uh, yeah, um, do you have any thoughts about about Blops, Blops 4 and its Battle Royale mode? Um, my thoughts are that it is in the Blizzard launcher and it makes me want to puke. Um, but not, not, not so dramatic, actually. Um, I just, like, opened up the Blizzard launcher yesterday and saw Blops 4 there. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, uh, I actually uh, know exactly what you mean. Um, but, um, it's fine, like... I'm actually kind of looking forward to not necessarily the Blops implementation because I'm sure Call of Duty will be whatever. I don't think Call of Duty is actually a great model for it because like, I, I just don't think it'll be the right thing that I want out of Call of Duty. Um, but I am looking forward to more entrance into the, uh, in, into the Battle Royale space if only because, um, like, I, like... PUBG, I think, is like the 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 good for like Fortnite. Even if you know we take away the problems that I like, you know, like the the the, the various aspects of it that are like you know it's cartoony, it's an ar- arena shooter type of thing. It's weird in that it has this building mechanic that is kind of like ported over from the original Fortnite, like the Fortnite tower defense game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like that, that kind of feels like that feels like what you get like three years down the line, right? Where it's like it's battle royale, but with the twist, you build things. Um, except that that is the mainline entry in the series. So I am excited for a a game that is maybe a little bit less janky than PUBG, and a game that is a little bit more kind of normal than Fortnite. Because um, that that is actually my biggest blocker for Fortnite is 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 the the building mechanics are like like so off putting to me, like I'm not good at multitasking and in the, the 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 prospect of having to try and build things while while I while I shoot is is not one that I that I think I'd find fun, um, uh, but uh, but yeah I'm I'm I, I would like to see like a a, a solid like melee like like a a, a a a like a melee fighting entry into the game or like a fantasy entry into the battle royale genre um or something like that um i, I think that could that could all be neat um but yeah um but i think that's about all we had time for do you have anything else you want to talk about buddy uh you know i'm sure that if i did we could talk about it next week all right <laughs> um well in that case uh if you'd like to reach us uh, talk to us about what you thought of Deadpool 2 or Fortnite or any of the things we talked about at this podcast. You can reach us at podcast at some dot or some games at gmail.com. You can uh, follow us at twitch.tv slash the one, tr- uh, not that's my Twitch, twitch.tv slash some play games. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and on, uh, uh, you can rate us review us on iTunes and all the links are in the description. We love your feedback. Send it to us. Um, I think that's everything I had, buddy. Do you have anything else you want to promote? I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.